wasn't obvious to me at the time, but in many of my previous relationships, my partners would walk on eggshells around me. Why? Wasn't I a nice guy? Yes, and I had the ability to make them feel awful. It took many relationship failures to figure out that I was the problem. If you're in a similar position and you want to stop hurting the people you love, learn how over at HealedBeing.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Only use what you hear for what you need. <laughs> only use the information I share for wherever it helps you in life. And um, if you've been listening for a while, I am glad you're back. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Not every intro goes like this. I usually talk about something useful. So now I'm going to get into that. In fact, I'm going to tell you uh, a little story. It is about my stepfather. The story has to do with the email that I received regarding if alcoholics get a free pass. This could apply to anyone, but the email was very specific to alcoholism, but it could apply to any addict. If someone's addicted, if somebody has a disease like alcoholism and uh, addiction of any sort, um, anything like that, if someone you care about and they care about you has some sort of addiction, affliction, or disease, does it give them a free pass? Does it give them more leniency if they do something wrong or even heinous? In the case of my stepfather, he got away with almost everything for years. The entire time that he was married to my mom for a good 40 plus years, alcohol would be the reason he did everything he did. Uh, he would break things. He would he hit my mom a few times. He was an abuser. He was a cheater. He was all kinds of things for many, many years. And he always did the bad behavior when he was drunk. No doubt that the alcohol caused him to do all this bad behavior. And you might think, well, that was in him anyway, and the alcohol just helped him let go of his inhibitions. And I would say, well, maybe. But he still did the behavior, so we can look at this as something that, or all these things that he got away with for many, many years because he drank. Now, that doesn't mean that he couldn't have gotten away with it without drinking either. There are people that will give other people this, quote, free pass and allow them to be who they are and um, no accountability exists. There's, there's no accountability for their behavior, so this is where the behavior continues. This is why accountability is so important. 
when I talk about accountability over at my podcast, uh, my other podcast, Love and Abuse, I talk about how the person who is being hurtful, emotionally abusive, needs accountability in order to realize how important it is to stop or how damaging their behavior is. So if I had received accountability when I was married, when I made my wife feel guilty and I gave her the silent treatment, you know, causing her to think that she did something wrong and withholding love, all behaviors that I'm definitely not proud of and I've learned to heal from because it's just mean, but when I did it, I didn't know any other way to communicate. So in order to get my needs met, that's what I did. And um, it never really met my needs. It only caused harm. So I did a lot of these bad behaviors during my marriage and other relationships that um, I didn't get any accountability for. I mean, the only accountability for any of the behaviors that I did in my, my past relationships was them leaving me, which is, of course, the ultimate accountability. In a romantic relationship, if you are in love with someone and you care about them deeply, uh, you probably don't want them to leave. So if you are treating them badly over and over again, and there's no accountability for treating them badly, then they keep doing it. But if their only accountability is you leaving, then there was no opportunity for them to change. Now, I'm not blaming that on the person who didn't provide the accountability. I'm just saying that it is important to know that you could be essentially um, allowing behavior, not saying it's your fault, not saying it's your responsibility to change them or that they're acting badly. I'm just saying that if there is no accountability for someone's behavior and um, life goes on, you know, something happens and life goes on, they are more than likely going to do it again. And this is what I found out with my stepfather is that no matter what happened, if he broke a window, if he threw eggs all over the kitchen, which happened one day, <laughs> then we clean it up, then he gets no accountability. Because when he wakes up from being passed out for hours or all night, he comes into the kitchen and the kitchen's perfectly clean. The, the hole he kicked in the wall, he might still see that, and that might mean something to him because now he has to fix that. But he doesn't find all the shards of glass that he threw. He doesn't um, probably think about how much he hurt my mom or us kids because we would pretend that everything was fine. We would go through life pretending everything was fine. And that told him in so many ways that it's not bad enough, so why stop? And I don't mean stop drinking. I mean stop hurting us, stop damaging the house, stop doing what he was doing. What is the accountability factor? Does it matter when they are high or inebriated? Well, my quick answer to this, let's just get this right out, is um, my quick answer to do they deserve a free pass when they do something when they're high or inebriated? My quick answer is hell no. <laughs> hell no. They do not deserve a free pass. Does that mean that you should punish them? Does, you know, what does that mean? It's going to mean something different to everyone. But no, just because you're drunk or high or whatever, just because of that, 
you don't deserve a free pass if you go and hurt someone else. You are still accountable for what you did. Even if you don't remember doing it, even if you weren't in your right mind, you are still the perpetrator of that event. I'm not the all-knowing wise one telling you that this is exactly what it should be. I'm just giving you my opinion. I believe 100% that no matter what, they are still responsible and should still be held accountable. If somebody gets in a car when they're drunk and they run over a mom and her child crossing the street, they should be held accountable. They may have to go to jail for a long time, whatever the the law says, but they should be held accountable. Even if they don't remember doing it and they didn't mean it and they were going five miles an hour, doesn't matter because what they did, they still did. That's Again, that's my opinion, but I think it's a sound opinion because if you don't hold them accountable, what do they do? They do it again. Not all of them. I'm not saying that they all do it again. Maybe there's a one-time thing that happens and somebody gets drunk once and hits somebody once and they're dead and now they have to pay for that. They have to be accountable for that. So that's where I go with this is that no, you you should not get away with something just because uh, the excuse is that you were drunk. You still need to pay for it in some way because you made the decision to drink or get high or you know be in this state of mind that caused the chain of events that led you there if it's you if it's somebody else that they made that decision they made that decision so everyone's responsible for their own chain of events that leads to someone else being hurt just like an emotionally abusive relationship you may have been abused as a kid, and now you don't have very good coping mechanisms. So when somebody upsets you today, you could become very hurtful. And they may not even be upsetting you necessarily. They may not do it intentionally. You just didn't get something that you wanted, so you become hurtful. And you become hurtful because you don't have a good coping mechanism to deal with it and process it and release it. And you do that because you may have had an upbringing of dysfunction and toxic behaviors. And when you have that kind of upbringing, you don't have a lot of healthy ways to cope. So when you do something bad, it could be from your past. And somebody could look at you and go, you poor thing. You know, you had a tough past. No wonder you're acting this way. And that could be 100% correct. No wonder you're acting this way because of your past. Do they get a free pass, though? Should you be more lenient? No. I, I, I'm i going to say it right out. <laughs> no, hell no, because you need to be accountable for your behavior. Because you shouldn't get away with something that you did, even if you didn't realize you were doing it. Now, yes, there are gray areas here. Somebody slips you a drug, and you didn't realize it, and then you go hurt someone. Well, you didn't start the process. You didn't actually take that drug without, uh, you know, you, you didn't know that you took it. And because you didn't know it, somebody else did that to you, which caused you to do something that was almost out of your control. And that's what happens, right? When somebody gets high or drunk, they have less ability to control themselves. And if somebody does that to you and puts you out of control, now we're talking about something else. So I wanted to get this out of the way. It's a personal opinion, and I, 
I believe it's a sound opinion because when I try that on, when I think about someone getting behind the wheel and killing my girlfriend and her son, you know, what if they were drunk and they killed my girlfriend and her son? You know, it's my life. She's my life and her son, he's got his own life. <laughs> if they were together, I love them both. If they were suddenly killed by a drunk driver, am I going to think, you know, I should be lenient because he was drunk? I should just let that go because he didn't know what he was doing, or she. They didn't know what they were doing, so uh, I'm going to blame the alcohol. And maybe they do have a problem. Maybe they can't stop. Maybe it is an addiction and they cannot stop. It's tough because they could be the nicest person. My stepfather, nicest guy you'll ever want to meet when he's sober. When he's drunk, you don't want to be near him. Now he just passes out from what I hear. He just gets drunk and then he passes out. But he used to be very, very violent. And so we want to stay away from people when they're in that space. But if they are putting themselves in our space, it's hard to stay away. They, they're coming to us. And those are decisions they need to make to be careful that they aren't hurting anyone. If they really want to get high or drunk, maybe they should stay home and do it. I'm not here to judge or tell people what to do. I'm just talking about this message that somebody sent asking me if um, being drunk should uh, give someone more leniency. And my answer is no. I, I come to a hard, firm no on that because it's still the person doing the behavior. It's still their responsibility, even when they didn't know what they were doing and they didn't intend to. What's that um, saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's very much the case when it comes to that. Like I remember um, speeding on a road once and I didn't know I was doing it. In fact, I had the cruise control on because miles before, I saw the speed limit, said 65. Set the cruise control for 65, and I was the only one on the road, just cruising along, thinking I was doing everything legally, and then I get pulled over, and I'm, I'm confused. I'm thinking, what is this person pulling me over for? And he said, uh, you were going uh, over the speed limit. And I said, but I had my cruise control on. It was 65, and he goes, no, it was 55. So clearly... The speed limit changed, and I either missed the sign or the sign wasn't there, but I'm sure if I went back in time and looked, the sign probably was there, and I just missed it. So I had every intention to obey the law. I was always somebody to obey the law, well, most of the time <laughs> when driving, uh, and I missed the sign. So I had every good intention, but I still got the ticket. So that made me angry because it wasn't my intention to speed and I was following what I believed to be the law but it didn't matter if I'm ignorant it doesn't matter um, they don't count ignorance of the law so because of that I was accountable so even though I disagreed with it and didn't like it I still had to pay the price so that's how I look at this is that I have to pay the price which is just like somebody getting drunk doing something that they didn't intend to do uh, they will have to pay the price. That's the accountability part. Now, accountability, I was just having this conversation with my girlfriend, accountability is different than punishment. That might be the same in some areas of the world, punishment and accountability. It could feel like punishment, but punishment, her and I were talking about 
what is punishment? Punishment seems to be hurting someone, intentionally hurting someone, for something they did wrong. Where accountability is making someone accountable for what they did wrong. Now, I'm not necessarily going to go over the semantics or the true meanings of each, but I think it's important to at least differentiate those. Because if you were to punish someone, that means that you're going to go outside any maybe moral or legal path and do what you need to do to get revenge or you know take it into your own hands so that it's taken care of by you. So punishment seems to be a very uh, individual thing. I'm going to make them pay. Where accountability is not necessarily an emotional thing, it is a um, logistical thing. It's like saying, hey, you committed this crime, so now you have to take responsibility for that crime. You have to do the time for the crime. So I'm going to read you this email in the next segment, and we'll see where we go with this person who said that uh, her friend or her friend's boyfriend or something sent an inappropriate text to her friend's daughter. So he did that when he was drunk, and that caused a big problem. But should he get a free pass because he was drunk? You already know my response to that. But uh, I think we should get into maybe some of the weeds there. So when we come back, I'm going to read that email and we'll see where we go with it. Glad you're here. Be right back after this. I tell you what, I've never slept better. I mean, I wake up every morning and I mix a single scoop of AG1 powder into some cold water and I make that the first thing that I ingest. And it's something I enjoy doing. It has become my morning ritual. AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. They sent me a dropper, too. I had, you know, I have this little starter package they sent me. And the dropper contains uh, vitamin D3 and K2. And I started putting a single drop in my tea every day. I really enjoy having a tea every day. So I have a drop of that in my tea, and that is in addition to my AG1. And I tell you what, it, it saves me so much money than having to buy each and every item separately. You know, I don't want to buy all these vitamin bottles and supplements and things like that. And I am all about efficiency. I really appreciate efficiency. And um, I didn't even know that I wasn't getting enough sleep or good night's sleep until I started taking care of myself using this Athletic Greens. And after a month of doing this, it took about maybe a week or two before I started getting uh, really good sleep and even falling asleep quickly. I would just sit there and I used to be able to stay up and I was one of those guys that looked at my phone. I just look at my phone and just stay up. And now I can't even keep my eyes open. I just love it. I love being able to get a good night's sleep. It is something I have struggled with for a very long time in my life. And some people are saying, well, just get off your phone. <laughs> well, I didn't always have a phone. It was many years ago. I've, I've never been able to get a good night's sleep. And I think it's because I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't getting all the nutrition I needed. So this is why I'm so gung-ho about telling you about AG1 Athletic Greens 
Maybe now is a good time to reclaim your health too so that you can arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. Like I said, you don't need a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash brain. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash brain and take ownership of your health by picking up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And what about emotional and psychological insurance? This is something you've probably heard me talk about if you've been a listener for a while. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. This is something that um, people have written to me and asked me. Uh, I receive once a month, at least once a month, people asking me, where can I find a good therapist? Do you recommend a good therapist? And uh, do you recommend one in my area? I am not that connected. <laughs> I'm not that connected to people all over the world. So it's very difficult to answer those questions. However, this is why I love talking about BetterHelp. They are available to you because they're online. You can access them from wherever you are. And they're more affordable than in-person therapy. You can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So the sooner you sign up, the sooner you can talk with them. This is a place where you can unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You might be surprised just how much you're going to gain from it. So like I said, I've talked about them before. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast, and the Overwhelmed Brain listeners get 10% off their first month by going to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's two words, better, B-E-T-T-E-R, and the word help, H-E-L-P, dot com forward slash brain. Talk to someone to deal with your depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, or family conflicts. Anything that you need to discuss, they are there for you. And they are my recommendation. If you're asking me about a recommendation, that's who I recommend. BetterHelp.com forward slash brain. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Welcome back. I have an email for you that will probably make some people upset, <laughs> but we're going to read it and find out if uh, I can offer any guidance. And uh, it's already what I talked about in the last segment, and I'm just going to read this email and uh, we'll see where we go with it. This person wrote, I have a friend that lives with her alcoholic boyfriend, and she has an adult daughter. Recently, while she was away, her boyfriend was drunk and sent a sexual text to her daughter. He was very explicit in what he wanted to do to her Thankfully, nothing physical happened to her daughter, and his apology to my friend was pathetic. He said that the daughter came over wearing something cute, and when he drinks, the evil thoughts take over him. My friend decided to forgive him, because according to her, he has an illness and can't help himself. She also said that um, she's reached that age where she doesn't want to be alone. In addition, she said, Nothing really happened to her daughter. Her stance is, if her daughter wouldn't have gone over that night, this would have been avoided. Mm. She also regrets leaving him alone. Excuses, excuses. 
It appears that everyone is at fault but him. Her daughter hasn't been back to the house since, and they're devastated that her mom forgave him and has moved on. I'm really struggling with my friend's decision. I don't recognize her. She was always a great mom, supportive, and she had her priorities right. I just don't believe that his drinking takes over, and he didn't know what he was doing. In my opinion, he probably always had these feelings for her daughter. I'm extremely sad for her, and her daughter, and our friendship. I'm not sure if our friendship can survive this. I just can't imagine being with someone that acted that way toward my daughter. Do you think a person who is an alcoholic gets a pass regardless? Should I just accept her decision and not judge? It's been months since this happened, and I'm still consumed by it. Grateful for your guidance and time. Okay, thank you for sharing that. I'm so sorry that this happened to the daughter. And um, this is a, a tough situation for you. And I already know people listening have made up their mind. <laughs> there are a lot of people that are listening right now saying, Oh, no. I don't want anything to do with that situation. If my friend did that, I would be so upset. But do you give up your friend? Do you give up a friendship for many years if that happens? Your friend makes a decision that's clearly outside of, um, I don't know, your values, your morals. It's probably outside her own morals and values too. She probably loves her daughter and doesn't want anything to happen to her, but She's prioritizing her own happiness to be with someone and also uh, giving him a little bit of leniency or a lot of leniency because when he drinks, he does stupid things. I'm para-quoting, paraphrasing there. And uh, that's called enabling. That's what I was talking about. And enabling is if you don't show someone accountability, they'll do it again. So I expect this kind of thing will probably happen again, unfortunately. Um, even if it doesn't, even if he sobers up, at least psychologically, and realizes, whoops, I crossed the line, I better not do that again, uh, we're in a situation here where he can still get away with a lot. Um, and, of course, this is a, a terrible situation for the daughter, who now has a mom that seems to be okay that, her mom's boyfriend sexted, sexually texted this, um, this this young girl. So now we have a problem here. We have um, a family situation, and the mom is prioritizing her relationship with her boyfriend over her daughter. And man, I don't know that that's that's just something that people make these decisions, and uh, they have to live with the consequences of those decisions. And that might mean that they become estranged. So that isn't something that, you know, I can really comment on. That's a decision by adults. I mean, everyone here is an adult in, in, your, in your message. You're an adult. She's an adult. You know, your friend and your friend's daughter is an adult. And I didn't want to, I want to keep everything confidential here, but it's between uh, at least three adults here. Your friend, her boyfriend, and her daughter. And um, if your friend decides not to make him accountable, there's really nothing you can do. So this is a point where you have to look at your friendship, not her decisions, but your friendship, and decide if your friendship is worth keeping regardless of any decisions that she makes, even if you think they are completely stupid or hurtful 
and uh, maybe mean or stupid. <laughs> I know I said stupid before, but this is probably what's in your mind. It's just a stupid decision. Why would you take him over your daughter and he's drunk and he said some inappropriate things or very vile things to her daughter? So this is a very personal decision for you. Now, that doesn't really help you because now I'm saying, well, just make a decision. That's not helpful, I know. So I put myself in your shoes. Let's just say, and I've had something sort of similar but not happen to me where I had a friend that um, I think he was married and he reached out to another girl and um, I forget what he said, but it was a sexual it was of a sexual nature. And um, I thought, that's really not nice. When you're married, that's cheating. That's a, a betrayal. When you're married, I believe you should be faithful. So now I have this friend that I've known for a long time who has done something that's against my own values and morals. And now I'm in this situation where I have to accept or reject this person in my life. If I accept this person and continue to be friends, does that include the values and morals that may or may not align with me? That's, I think, the dilemma here is that I have a friendship with this person whose values and morals may not match mine, but don't necessarily apply to me. It's still tricky. Because now I have to look at if I can accept this whole package, meaning what comes with him are his values and morals. And here's a man that would uh, willingly betray or go behind his wife's back to try to reach out to somebody else and say inappropriate things. Do I want this person and, I guess you could say, that baggage in my life? So I've had to deal with that. I've had to contemplate and think about it and uh, fight with it. I've had to fight with it because the relationship that we've had has been good. It's been healthy. It's been fun. Yet here he is doing things that I wouldn't do and I certainly don't advise anyone to do. But am I judgmental and critical of his decisions or can I accept him for who he is and let him deal with his own consequences. And that's where I went. I, I went into that space. I need to let him deal with his own consequences because the relationship that I have with him isn't necessarily part of the decisions that he makes in his personal life, even though I'm part of his personal life. And it doesn't mean I accept what he does. In fact, if his wife came up to me and asked, did he do this? that would be a different story. In fact, as I think about this now, uh, me not sharing this with his wife might put me in a morally corrupt position. This is real time, folks. <laughs> I am thinking about this as I think about this. Now I am in a position where I also have a piece of information that uh, I would have to lie or deceive or betray myself, his wife, even though I may not even know her that well. But if I did, I don't, in fact, I don't think he's married anymore, but if I knew his wife, and I did know his wife, and this information was available to me then, when he was married, 
would I feel like I would have to withhold that from her? And so I'm thinking about this now, and no, I, I don't like to be in that position. In fact, I would tell my friend, hey, look, I'm not going to lie to your wife, so if you're going to do this behavior, I can't be a part of it because I know your wife too. And I don't want to be a part of that little toxic situation. So you need to deal with that. I'm, I'm going to move away from it. And then it brings up the, the dilemma. Um, now that you're moving away from it, are you going to tell his wife now? <laughs> That's a very tough situation. I'm, I'm sure some people listening now are thinking, yes, I've been in that situation or I'm in that situation now. I know my friend is cheating on their wife or their spouse, whatever. And uh, I have this information. Now I'm a liar and a cheater. I know it's not the same thing. But it would feel like I was cheating on the friendship with his wife. So I did a flip-flop during this. I, I, I rarely do that during a you know, recording. But thinking about this now... Yeah, that's that's a tricky one, and at the same time, it's not. It's pretty cut and dry because I don't want to be a person who deceives another person, somebody that I know, especially, and somebody that I care about, especially. So I would remove myself from that situation and realize they have marital problems, and then I'd have to fight with the moral dilemma of, telling his wife or at least telling him he better tell his wife because I will I don't know I don't know about that specific example so um, I'm going to sit on that <laughs> but I wanted to kind of think this through with you um, with your situation the person who wrote she is in a, a dilemma where she has a friend that has decided that it's okay to keep someone in her life that sent her daughter a vile text. I think that was her words, vile or disgusting. And um, she's prioritizing her boyfriend over her daughter. And so now this person who wrote wants to know, do I keep this friendship? This is really tough. I think you're in a slightly easier position, even though it's still difficult, than the one I just described. And the reason I say that is because everyone is an adult in this situation. Everyone's an adult. And they are all aware of what happened. So they are making decisions based on what they are aware of. And it seems like the truth is fully out. So in this case, I would say it's all right to have a friendship when that friend doesn't align with your decisions. I'm not saying you should, or, you know, I'm not saying that this is the right thing to do even. I'm just saying that I believe it's all right to have a friendship with somebody who may not make the same decisions as you, maybe making stupid decisions. All I'm saying is that because they're all adults in this situation and everyone knows what happened, that they have made a choice to continue the way, the, or at least your friend has made a choice to continue the way she wants to continue. So now, are you going to show up as a supportive friend? That's difficult because it's against your morals and values, I'm assuming. Or are you going to say, look, that's just a weird situation. I can't believe you prioritized him over your, your daughter, and um, I don't want to be a part of that. 
if it were me, I would probably tell my friend, that's pretty rough because now your daughter feels isolated and alienated and she feels like you're choosing this guy over her, regardless of his alcoholism, which we haven't even talked about yet. I'm just talking about his actions and her response to his actions. She made a choice. So a, quote, good friend supports a friend who makes choices that maybe they don't agree with. Again, I'm not saying that you should. I mean, you may have such a moral problem with this that you can't be around her because anyone who does this, uh, you find reprehensible or something. So this is definitely a personal choice. And my opinion on it, which might change if this happened to me, but my opinion on this uh, from a third-person perspective is to see this as when you love someone, you care about them enough and support them even if they make decisions that you disagree with. So this does kind of fall under the philosophy of um, the way I describe love, which is supporting someone even when you disagree with the decisions they make for themselves and the path they want to take to live a happy life or seek happiness. When you love someone, you support them even if they're making decisions that you disagree with. That doesn't mean you have to stay friends. It doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with them. It just means you love them and you care about them and you know they're going to make decisions that you disagree with. But there are people in our lives that make decisions that we disagree with all the time. It's just that this decision really hit deep. You know, if you have kids, it's going to hit deep. If you care about other people's feelings, it's going to hit deep. There's a lot where it hits deep. And so that's a tough one, but that's where I go with it. Is that if you have a friend that makes a stupid decision, I'm using maybe your words, disgusting decision, uh, the wrong decision. If they're making that kind of decision, you don't agree with it, then keeping the friendship isn't necessarily a reflection on your morals or values. Keeping the friendship is a reflection on how much you care about another person. I don't know if that makes up your mind or not, and I don't know if you still have a struggle with it, but um, I do know that it's, you know, when you have good friends, they're hard to find sometimes, so maybe it sounds like I'm making you lean toward friendship and not disappearing from her life. And if you're a good influence on her, then maybe she'll make better decisions in the future. Again, that sounds like I'm telling you to lean toward friendship. But I will say this, no matter which decision you make, staying friends or not, I want you to be sure. I want you to get to that point where you are almost 100% sure that it's the right decision. And what that means is, can you be friends without getting triggered every time you think about that event and then causing a problem or being emotional about it in the relationship? Can you do it without creating any tension in the relationship? Can you do it? Can you get through a conversation where she brings it up and you don't lose it. Like, I can't believe you did that. I'm still upset. with. I mean, if you end up losing it every time, then it's not good for the relationship. And it's quite possible that 
your decision should be that you shouldn't be friends with her. Because a friend is going to be more unconditionally loving when they choose to stay in the relationship. That means you accept the decisions they made, even if you disagree with them, and you still support them. It doesn't mean, however, that you watch something in real time unfold, like she is making a decision to do something that you know is bad and you don't say a word because, hey, it's her decision. It doesn't mean you don't try to guide her if there's a real issue. It just means that, you know, she has made this decision and now what decision are you going to make? It's happened in the past. And again, with adults that made their choices and now we have to make a decision based on what we believe and what we feel and that's where you are. So I'm giving you that to chew on. Can you be in a friendship without getting too emotional about it when she brings it up or when it comes up? You want to hear my prediction? <laughs> my prediction is that her boyfriend's going to do another stupid thing and it will just be another nail in the coffin of their relationship. Even though your friend is enabling this behavior by not making him accountable at all. doesn't mean she's allowing it. It just means that he has experienced no accountability and shall not stop doing things like this. And whatever that means, does he need to go to AA? Does he need to get some help, psychological help? Whatever it means. But he's not going to stop doing it as long as there's really not a problem with it. Now, maybe he is the type of guy that um, really feels bad. Like, let's just say that he's truly, genuinely sorry. He, he just feels like an idiot. Like, why did I do that? I had a moment, and like he said, the, the devil or the evil words came out of me. Um, that's I don't buy that, but <laughs> I think that uh, he had those thoughts, like you'd said. I think he had those thoughts before he drank, and... Um, he was probably turned on, and then when he was drunk, the filters came down and the inhibitions came down, and he just, you know, did his thing. So that could have happened. He he said things that were on his mind before he was drunk. That's what I believe happened. I mean, there's a lot of thoughts that go around uh, in a lot of people's minds that we filter from the world. We don't want the world to know what we're thinking. If somebody cuts in front of us in line at the grocery store, that's my uh, go-to example. <laughs> if somebody cuts in front of us in line at the grocery store and we get mad about it and we think to ourselves, I want to punch that person in the face, we're probably not going to say that or do it. But if we were drunk, <laughs> we might. Our filters and our inhibitions come down. So these are the kinds of thoughts, even though they might be disgusting, you know, some guys think about girls in a way that are, you know, they just have these explicit thoughts and um, they don't say it. You don't know they're thinking it. They don't say it. Um, but then they get drunk one night and they say it. That's not an excuse. That's not the free pass. I'm just saying it happens a lot and it just happens so that uh, it came out of him when he was drunk. So yes, he probably did have those thoughts. And whether he was an alcoholic or not, he probably had those thoughts. But if he never drank, those thoughts may not have ever come out. Again, not the free pass. I'm just laying out what may normally happen where people aren't drinking or high or whatever. 
that is what normally happens. We walk around filtering our thoughts and um, keeping them, a lot of them, to ourselves because they don't need to be said. And when you're inebriated, there are things that will be said, and that's what's going to happen. So if you drink a lot, you're probably going to reveal what you think about a lot. So that's an aside, but let me go back to this point with your friend choosing him and being somewhat okay because he drinks. I mean, this is what I read in your message, is that it's okay because he was drunk. I know she didn't say that, but she said, oh, you know, he's, he's ill. So he's, he does stupid things like this. This is a person that is what they call the enabler, and um, they believe that because someone's drunk that they should get away with things because it's a, a disease. They're convinced that because it's a disease that um, they have more freedom to do bad things, which is terrible because some people, they get drunk, they're, they're not only doing bad things, but they're hard to be around when they're drunk. So there's like a double whammy. You get this drunk person that's very hard to be around, and not only are they drunk, but now they're doing things that they wouldn't normally do, so there's a lot to deal with. And what ends up happening a lot in a lot of relationships is that you find very caring, compassionate rescuers and fixers that end up with uh, people that are ill, sick, or takers, or alcoholics in this case. There's a dysfunctional balancing that goes on where you have a taker or an addict or an alcoholic that ends up with a compassionate, kind, caring, generous person and um, they end up creating a codependence where there's an enablement that goes on that keeps the dysfunctional cycle going. And I'm not saying an alcoholic person can't be kind and caring and compassionate. I'm just saying usually in a codependent relationship, there's a taker and there's a giver. The alcoholic in this case is taking somebody else's power away, and she's giving it away. So there's an unconscious agreement sometimes, or an unspoken agreement, where the alcoholic or the addict or even the emotionally abusive person, they have a way to dominate the relationship in ways where everything they do they get away with, and they get away with everything because the other person becomes more and more resilient and tolerant of their behavior just points to their abusive past or their current sickness. They always find uh, an excuse or a reason for the behavior they're doing so as to not uh, shift the relationship, so to, to, to not change it. If they can keep the relationship, like your friend said, I don't want to be alone. So her umbrella reason, you know, the overall reason that she makes decisions might be as long as I'm not alone. And if that is the overall reason for every decision she makes, then that's the filter she's going, going to run her life through. Well, I don't want to be alone, so I'm not going to leave him if he texts my daughter like that again. Because I don't want to be alone. So she has this filter going through. And you can almost see that as a disease. It's like an emotional disease where we allow bad behavior because we fear uh, certain things happening. We fear being alone or being rejected or not feeling worthy or important. I mean, these are all psychological issues that should be addressed. I'm not saying that your friend needs a therapist. That's certainly not for me to decide for anyone. But I am saying that um, if she allows certain behavior that um, most people would see 
as wrong or morally unacceptable, then she probably has to heal from some stuff herself. And uh, she may not be able to do that right away. It may take time. She may need to find her worth and realize that she is lovable and important without getting that from somebody who's not necessarily healthy for her. And I didn't even say this, but it should bother anyone that um, somebody says, well, if she wasn't wearing that or she didn't go over there, then this wouldn't have been a problem. That's the line that was in your email that it really stuck out. It really bothered me. That's like saying, if she wasn't pretty, then she wouldn't have been raped. If she wasn't dressed scantily, she wouldn't have been raped. No, that's, I'm going to clear this up right now for anyone that has a question about this. In the case of sexual harassment or worse, sexual abuse, someone should be able to stand naked in front of you and you should be able to control yourself. Period. It's not their fault. It's the person who needs to control themselves. So it's just a, uh, that's an unhealthy comment for somebody to say, well, if she didn't go over there, then this wouldn't have happened. That is basically blaming her. You can't blame the person who's getting sexually attacked like this. And that's what it feels like to her daughter. You know, I'm interpreting this. It probably feels like that to her daughter. It's an attack or at minimum a harassment. So that's very sad to hear that um, she feels that way. But at the same time, the reason she's saying that is because she may have some unhealthy thoughts inside of her. These thoughts may have been implanted in her from childhood. You know, we can look at her past. How was she brought up and what made her believe that any of this behavior is acceptable and that it's not necessary to blame the person who did it, the accountability part, but to blame the situation or other people in that situation. And like you said, everyone else is at fault but the person who actually did the behavior. So, you know, you certainly bring up some very uh, strong topics to talk about, uh, very valid points. Um, I'm hoping that I gave you enough to go on to make a decision on whether to continue the friendship or not. It is a difficult decision. It does involve you accepting certain decisions that she's made and knowing that uh, your friend may continue to make decisions that aren't healthy for her. And so the only thing I can tell you now is if you want to be empathetic, or at least sympathetic, is to imagine what she must be thinking in order to make decisions like that. And what I mean is, you put yourself in her shoes, what do I have to believe in order to make a decision like that? I know with my mom, she made the same decisions over and over and over again and allowed the alcoholic of the family to get away with everything. And one of her reasons was she was scared. You know, she opposed him at all. What would happen? Would he kill her? I don't know. And she didn't want to find out. So that was one of them. Another one might have been um, she didn't know what it was like to be without him. It was an unknown. You know, people get comfortable in the known, even though it's uncomfortable. But the unknown, that's scary to a lot of people. And your friend said, I don't want to be alone. Maybe she has such a fear of being alone that she's willing to take whatever comes with being with somebody, even if it's toxic. She must find fulfillment in some ways. 
in order for her to discount her daughter like that. It's a very, very difficult situation all around. I am so sorry that this whole thing happened and that her, her kid is like suffering probably the worst because now she has a mom that chose somebody over her. That, that is so hard. And that's the kind of relationship that's supposed to last forever. You know, a child and a parent, when you have something, you don't want to lose it. And boyfriends, you know, they, they, they could last forever, but your children, that's, that's hard to replace. So that's a tough situation all around. But thank you for sharing this. And I, I know there's more stuff we can talk about that I probably should comment on, but just no time left. <laughs> I got to go. I got to get out of here. It's going to end the show anyway. So thank you for writing. I hope this helps. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank today's sponsors, BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month of online therapy. So worth it. It's a great value. Good service. Also, I want to thank Athletic Greens. Get your AG1 powder today. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes and something I use every day. Go to athleticgreens.com. I also want to thank the patrons of the week, the financial backers of this show. I read new names every week, or existing names. Victoria, Tracy, Anne-Marie, Kayla, Fuang, Christy, Andrea, Christy, again, another Christy, Walter, Leela. I am so grateful for all of you. Thank you for your support. If you find value in this show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com where you can uh, join the monthly patron program, which will give you all kinds of goodies over at that site, or you can make a one-time donation, and either way, I am grateful. And no matter what you do, whether you support this show financially or just like to listen, I appreciate you. Thank you, patrons and donors. I am so grateful. And if you are looking for a podcast on how to deal with difficult relationships, visit loveandabuse.com. If you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, Head over to my program called HealedBeing.com and I will help you stop hurting people you love. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And on the subject of today's topic, I said I was going to share a story with you and I never did and I wanted to share this story. I was on vacation with my girlfriend up in New Hampshire where my mom and my family lives and um, we had my mom over to the cabin we were renting, and uh, my sister was there, and we were all talking, and my mom was telling a story about my stepfather. And uh, she said, you know, one day he threw a hammer at me. <laughs> and everyone paused, and I said, what? He threw a hammer at you? And she said, yeah, he threw it at my head. I thought, did he whip it, or did he toss it? And she said, no, he threw it with all his might. He threw it, and it flew by my head. I was shocked, and I said, are you saying that he tried to hit you with a hammer, that he whipped it at your head? And she said, yeah. She said it so nonchalantly that I just couldn't believe it. Like, 
It was a normal thing to happen in her relationship. And in that moment, I realized how much she normalized so many bad things, so much bad behavior. She normalized his behavior to the point where in one instance, she could have been dead. That one instance, that one near miss, well, near hit, as George Carlin says, (laughs) a near hit, it almost hit her head. And he whipped it at her. I said, Mom, do you realize that you could have died that day? That could have been your final day on earth. And you stayed with him. And I saw my mom kind of look down and think, I never really thought about it. I never really thought that he could have actually hit me and killed me. I think this is what we do is that um, it hasn't happened, so we think it won't. But that's pretty much the closest to death that you can get or a severe head injury. But a hammer being whipped at you, if that hits in the right spot, oh my God, it's it's going to kill you. That's why I told my mom, he could have killed you that day and you stayed with him. And I wasn't trying to blame her. I was just showing her that she could have been dead. And I did ask, why did you continue to stay after that? And she said, well, I, I really didn't think about it. I really didn't give it a second thought because behavior like that was so normal in that relationship. And this might be what this person who wrote the email in the last segment might be what uh, her friend is experiencing is that some of this behavior is so normal that uh, it's not something to take a second look at. It's just how it is because her levels of tolerance have increased her levels of resilience have increased and um, normally that's seen as a way to get stronger but in this case when it comes to a toxic person your levels of tolerance and resilience should not get stronger they should not go up they should go down with every bad behavior that comes out of them they should go down to the point where You say, I'm not going to expose myself or my family or my loved ones. I'm not going to expose me or anyone else to this behavior. I refuse to tolerate it. That should be a tattoo that everyone puts on their body. I refuse to tolerate bad behavior. Don't really get that tattoo because there's probably a better one. (laughs) There's probably a better saying. But that does feel good when I say, I refuse to tolerate your bad behavior. It might even be better to say, I refuse to be mistreated. I refuse it. I won't allow it. Some people might be scared if they saw that tattoo on you. (laughs) But that is how I feel. I refuse to be mistreated. Now, it doesn't mean that every time somebody mistreats me, I get in their face or push them away or immediately cut ties. I just refuse in general to be mistreated because I'm going to treat you with kindness and respect. I'm going to treat you with compassion and empathy. I'm going to do everything I can to connect with you. And if you are kind and respectful to me, then there'll be no reason to think about my um, virtual tattoo. I refuse to be mistreated. But it is a general philosophy that I go by. I don't want to be mistreated, so I refuse to because I've already been mistreated in my life. 
And I know what that's like. And I know what happens. I know the outcome of it. When you let people mistreat you, they continue to mistreat you. You don't make them accountable, so they do it again. Some people know that you won't tolerate it. And that requires them to understand that there are consequences for their behavior. It's not always easy. And you do end up losing relationships over it, I'm afraid to say. But why would you want a relationship where somebody is violating your boundaries or doesn't care about you and mistreats you and hurts you? Why would you want that kind of relationship? I know that it might not be easy to get out of something like that if you're deep in it, but I want you to think about this as if you are protecting the most important person in the world yourself. That doesn't mean you have to do anything right away, but maybe it means you have to start thinking about what to do next. And what to do next might just be to bring it up in conversation. If you can, some people are impossible to talk to and you might not be able to. In that case, you might have to make other decisions. But at a minimum, bring it up in a conversation. Hey, you know when you put me down in front of other people? I don't like that at all. It makes me feel worthless. It makes me feel like you don't love me. You don't care about me. So I'm going to ask you to never do that again. That might surprise someone if you stood up for yourself like that. Or maybe you do that now and they don't care. I don't know if you need people like that in your life. That's certainly a decision to make. And um, if you have anyone in your life like that, it's either time to step up and stand up for yourself or make them accountable or make another decision that um, might take you somewhere else. These are all personal decisions. Whatever decision you make for yourself, I just want you to do it from an empowered place, not a fearful place. Always make decisions that are in your best interest. Always make decisions that honor yourself. I like to honor myself with love for others. That's what I like to do. I like to say I love you and I won't take that anymore. I love you and I'm going to continue loving you, but you're not allowed to do that behavior to me anymore. So it has to stop. I love you and I want to continue loving you. And if the behavior stops, it's only going to open my heart more for you and toward you, but it has to stop. So this is where I am and I feel pretty darn good about it. <laughs> I'm not going to tolerate being mistreated. I love you and this is what I need from you. Thanks so much for joining me today. And like I always say, keep an open mind because that is what helps you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.